got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here and welcome back to Coffee and Crypto. We are going to be bringing you the latest on the Bitcoin technical on-chain and fundamental analysis side of things every single weekday at 10 a.m. And today we need to talk about a pretty big drop that just occurred on Bitcoin. As you are probably already aware, Bitcoin dropped down to $25,500 last night. We've been talking about how the 200 weekly exponential moving average, which is sitting at $26,000, which we have tested three times in the history of Bitcoin may end up serving as support. We've also talked about how the 200 weekly simple moving average that sits at $22,000, which has also been tested three times in history, may end up being the level of support that Bitcoin needs to go to. The question on a lot of people's minds is, are we done with this correction? Have we hit the bottom? Are we going to trade sideways? Are we now in a bear market? Are we going to hit $20,000? And where do we go from here? We're going to be discussing all of that and more in today's episode, so make sure you hit that like button if you enjoy today's show, subscribe to the channel. And thank you guys so very much for all of your kind words on the intro to the stream that you guys left on today's live chat, yesterday's live chat, and yesterday's comments. We gave a shout out to Zach yesterday for making that. Another shout out, my friend. That is a very high quality piece of content that we have to run the show on. Thank you very much. I am joined, as always, by Mr. T.A. Tim himself. How are you doing, Tim? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I am glad to be back. <laughs> Great meeting yesterday, but I am uh, I'm here. Got a lot to talk about. A lot of interesting things happening on the charts, so... You know, whenever we're ready, we're going to jump into it. It's going to be a good show, guys. And we already got people in chat saying, is this a bear market? We are going to discuss that. And you might be surprised to see what I'm going to say on that. But I am also joined, as sometimes, by T. Shroom, who's running production today. And he's going to be weighing in on a little things, some things. How you doing, T. Shroom? Better than I deserve, Hey, there we Uh, go. Thank you, Mr. Ramsey. I appreciate that. The classic. It's financial sovereignty, not financial freedom. Get it right. But I think we can can make peace on that issue. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. The first thing I want to bring you in our little market pulse here is an update on Terra Luna. Let's just go ahead and try to find Terra Luna. Oh, it, look, Terra USD up 74% over the last 24 hours because you're supposed to be up 74% in the day on a stable coin, huh? The unstable coin itself sitting at 60 cents. That's not bad. It's got $7 billion worth of volume. That value, that's probably not going to last long. Let's see how far we have to scroll down. I know where it is. I'm just doing this for effect. Let's see how far we have to scroll down for Terra Luna. I don't mean to kick a dead horse, but this is really sad. Looks like we're going to have to go on to page two. Let's see here. Where is it? If I remember correctly, it's sitting down here at 140 something. Yeah, I can't even find it. Terra Luna, let's just take a look here, is in a very bad place, guys. It's it's sitting at two cents. It's down. Oh, that's why. That's why I couldn't find it. Earlier is it ranked 142. Now it's at rank 273. This was a top 10 cryptocurrency. And at the moment, guys, its chart looks about the worst that you could possibly imagine. These are not candle wicks, guys. These are not scam wicks that we're seeing on Terra. These are candle bodies. It's trading at a penny. So just wanted to bring you an update on that. Today's show is not about Terra Luna, but I don't think I really could have skipped that. We told you guys that most likely the project is dead yesterday and that it would take years for it to rebuild trust if it was even possible. I don't think that's possible at this point. And if you're in the Terra stablecoin, luckily for you, it rallied quite a bit up to the 60 to 70 cent range. You might want to try and exit that. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if the underpinned asset, Terra Luna, is sitting at one penny when it was trading at $100, is down 99.99%. Terra USD, which is built on top of that, very well may not be able to sustain $7.6 billion in market capitalization when Terra is trading at $80 million when it was at $400 billion. So, excuse me, I'm sorry, $40 billion. So, Definitely have some thoughts to do on that if you are in Terra USD. It is very sad. If you want to know what's going on and some of the speculation in the space, yeah. we did make a video yesterday on that. You want to know another interesting thing? Uh, it's it's on CoinDesk right now. If you guys are, you can go to my screen real quick. But there's a story about Do Kwan. Do, it, it's not just Luna that's gonna die with all of this. It's oh poor Do Kwan. So it's coming out that he was actually behind this project Basis Crash Cash, another uh, stable coin that failed and flopped. He tried to distance himself from it. Um, so now that's that's too he, he's not gonna distance himself from the Luna flop. So uh, 
Sorry there, Doquan. Or yeah. as, as T-Shroom likes to call him, Duquan. Yeah, Horse T-Shroom likes to call him Duquan. So. so, guys, we got a lot to talk about today. The question of the first half hour here is, can we now call this a bear market? You guys know I've been saying that, no, I'm not calling this a bear market yet. Could it turn into one? Absolutely. The question on the table now, because we have set a lower low on the weekly chart, below $28,000 is, is this a bear market? That's what we're going to be discussing today. So if you'd like to know my thoughts on that, then stay tuned because you're about to find out. Before we do, I want to bring you a word from one of our sponsors, iTrust Capital. I trust iTrust Capital with our retirement accounts if we decide that we want to go in that direction because iTrust Capital is the one-stop shop in cryptocurrency to set up investment accounts using your retirement accounts for Bitcoin cryptocurrency assets. If you sign up today, you're going to get a $100 funding reward using the link in the description box down below. They are the number one in their class. There are no other companies that do what they do in crypto anywhere near as well with anywhere near as much success. We have a strong relationship with iTrust Capital and we're very, very thankful to have them as a sponsor of our channel. And if you'd like to sign up for iTrust Capital, do so down below because you will be able to invest with the uh, benefits that IRAs come with as far as tax deference, allowing you to not have to pay as much or as soon in capital gains, taxes, and expenditures. Tim, we're going to talk about whether or not this is a bear market. Can you kind of give us a can you give us the history of what our stance on this market has been over the last 6 months? Where have we been and yeah. now where are we as far as 3 days ago? Well, you know, so I actually I hate to disrupt and not answer that question. I'll answer that here sure. in just a second. With Smay, Smay's actually in the room. Uh, and I think you might never see him. He's in here. We're doing some training for T-Shroom, but one of the jobs we have to do is the green names. We have to read green names. Uh, and I'll answer that question here in just a second. But we got crypto set guy in chat, old Jeffrey Fritz. We got Matt C, the goat, Groovy, Sultan of Salt. Let's get a couple more here. Uh, do, 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 do. A lot of the same guys. Siobhan Golay, uh, more My Groovy. Carcal. Adam Rourke, Cache Cats. Uh, da, 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 Philip. No, Philly Philippians. What that's with a Y. Sixty one. Uh, why you loud? Why you loud? I don't that's know. A good I'm question sorry. for the channel. And by the way, we're working on that one. But really. uh, la, la, la. Colin McDonald. Oh, I've never read Colin McDonald's name before. So oh. welcome, Colin. What's up? Uh, but 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 we are have a super chat. But we're gonna read that here in just a second. I'm gonna make sure I don't miss anyone else. I think for now that is it. But thank you so much, everyone. You Silva Dalla, you just joined Silva as well. Dalla. So uh, welcome, all the green names. But the question: What has our stance been about bull market? bear market up to this point. Uh, so our, our stance, and Jeb, you can elaborate on this, has been that from a technical standpoint, we were not in a bear market. And I think there's been a couple different times, a couple different levels we were looking at, but from the percentage down from all-time high, we weren't sitting in a place that we would call it a bear market. As far as what we were looking at with fundamentals and attention of what we had seeing with uh, uh, institutions and smart money, we didn't see things in a bear market. When we looked at on-chain metrics, we didn't see things in a bear mar a market. We saw a good, healthy correction, but of course, when you zoom out and you're looking at weekly charts, monthly charts, you're not seeing a bear market, you're seeing a continuation pattern to the upside. There are some things that are starting to change here, but Jeb, I'm gonna throw it back to you. Did I miss anything there, or what are your thoughts about what we're doing right now? Well, the main reason that I've been saying for months that we're not in a bear market is because we had not broken this critical support level at $29,000. If we had broken that, I had been, I've been saying since, I believe, December of last year, that if we break that level of support, then we need to have a serious conversation about whether or not we are in a bear market. Well, as of today, that has happened. In fact, it was actually yesterday Day. As you can see here on the chart, I have that previous local low that was set in June of last year drawn here. It's at $29,000. As you can see, at 1,600 hours yesterday, that would be 4 p.m. Eastern, we saw Bitcoin dip below that level for the first time. It dropped all the way down to a local low of $25,379. And that tells me that all of a sudden, my reasoning for why we were not in a bear market is now being called into question because mm -hmm. we have actually dropped below there. So to be clear, I've been saying for about six months, if we drop below 29K, we need to have a very serious conversation about whether or not we're in a bear market. That doesn't mean that I'm saying that we are in a bear market, but we're going to discuss that and come to a conclusion here on today's show. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Tim, what are some of the factors that you think led us down here in the first place, though? Let's let's start there. How did we get to yeah. 25k to begin with? Well, you can't you can't 
go really much anywhere without starting with the pressure from where the world economic state is when both the Fed announcement, which was hawkish in terms of the number, in terms of 50 basis points, but then kind of dovish with how they presented that concept. Then you go over to the Bank of England where they kind of had a dovish number, but gave a very hawkish kind of uh, report afterwards with how they how they presented the idea. So again, a lot of economic pressure. Uh, this We knew this was happening. When the pandemic hit and all of those checks went out, there was, the writing was put on the wall. The question wasn't when, or the question wasn't if, the question was when we were gonna have to suffer the consequences. And despite, you know, this is an area I was wrong, I thought the 50 basis points would not be enough. I thought that Bitcoin would stay up in the 30s, maybe even somewhere in the 40s. It turns out it was enough to go ahead and push us down. I didn't know we were going to go, sorry, got a, something in my throat. Didn't know that we were going to go down this this far this fast. But we said from the very beginning, I think, Jeb, we made a video about that here a couple weeks ago, that we would have to keep an eye on that the rest of the year, that that pressure happening from the Fed, from, from all world uh, banks putting pressure on their currencies, as well with, you pair that with what we still have going on war in, in Europe, those are massive pressures that cannot be denied for the main reason as to why we're coming down here. A lot of people have fudded out. A lot of people have gone ahead and... I bit the bullet and said, this is a bear market. I'm going to hunker down for a winner. And you can't even fault them. That's there as well. We've had boring. We've had lack of retail investment in the space for a while. All those things have kind of come together to drive us down to a wick of 25.5. That's my explanation, at least as far as it goes right now. Because of the nascency of this space, many people see it as exactly <coughs> the opposite of what it actually is. Let me explain. Bitcoin is designed to be the hardest form of money, currency, and store of value assets that we have ever asset that we have ever had in the history of mankind. I have said many times, uh, and if you don't understand this, if you if you want more explanation of this, maybe I should say, go back and watch the interview I did with Michael Saylor, the founder uh, the founder and CEO of, Mic of MicroStrategy. He owns 140,000 Bitcoin between himself and his company, which is publicly traded worth $5 billion. We had that conversation with him. I've been saying for a long time, Bitcoin is the best solution. It is the greatest solution to one of the biggest problems that humankind faces. Not the biggest, but one of the biggest problems that humankind faces, which is that we have no ability to store wealth into the future. It's impossible to store wealth into the future. You cannot do it. Now, you might be looking at this downtrend on Bitcoin over the last six, eight months and say, well, Jeff, surely you can't do it in Bitcoin either. Zoom out. Ten years. It's up a million percent. Sure you can. You just need to wait a little longer than that. Whenever Bitcoin goes down, it always ends up going back up. Whenever the U.S. dollar goes up, it always ends up going back down. You're looking at two different charts there. You're looking at a, bit, at a U.S. dollar that does this and then goes up a little bit and then goes down. You're looking at Bitcoin, which goes up, it goes down a little bit, and then it keeps going. You want to be in an asset that is up and to the right, not down into the right as the US dollar is. So what does that have to do with the drop that we're seeing right now? Why does that mean that we had to drop to $25,000? Very simply, the strength of Bitcoin is that it is a hard money asset which is safe and secure economically and also technologically to store money into the long-term distant future. It's Achilles heel, which it is outgrowing is that the vast majority of the world thinks that it is a speculative asset, which is very volatile and dangerous. So the vast majority of the world thinks that Bitcoin is something that it's not. In fact, the vast majority of the world thinks that Bitcoin is the exact opposite of what it is. The vast majority of the world sees Bitcoin as a scary investment, which could disappear overnight. What just happened to Terra Luna certainly does not help the matter. By the way, what just happened to Terra Luna is impossible on Bitcoin because it is not built in the same way. So if you're new to crypto and you see, oh my gosh, Terra Luna just went to one penny from $80 or whatever it was trading at, $69, $70. That was a very different mechanism than what was going on with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not built in such a way that that's a threat factor on Bitcoin. I just want to be clear on that. And if anybody's concerned about that, you can send them our direction. We'd be happy to make a video on that, why Bitcoin can't do the same thing that Terra Luna did. That might be a good idea for us to take a note of in the future, actually. The reason why Bitcoin went down to 25K is because the vast majority of the world, especially the retail, believes that Bitcoin is a dangerous soft money investment where they may lose their investment and where uh, they need to be scared of it. They believe that Bitcoin is the exact opposite of what it is. 
And whenever there's fear in the market, as in interest rates are going up, whenever the federal funds rate goes up 50 basis points, every other interest rate in the country goes up 50 basis points. Just so you know, mortgages are going to go up at least half a percent now because of that. that. That's just the way that works. The banks need to make their money. There's war in Ukraine. It just came out today. I have the tw- I have a tweet, uh, Twitter news thing right here, and then also the article. Finland is going to be joining, is applying to join NATO. If you don't know, Finland has an 810-mile border with Russia. Russia threatens anybody on their border that it tries to join NATO. So this could very well turn into some kind of other geopolitical event. There's a lot of uncertainty and fear in the world. People want somewhere that they feel safe to put their money. Unfortunately, the vast majority of Americans and citizens of other countries feel that their own sovereign uh, currency is the best place to store money. That's not the case. So this comes down to an education problem. If If there were not a gap in education, if everybody understood what Bitcoin truly does, then we wouldn't be at $25,000 right now. We'd be at $500,000 right now, at a million dollars right now. What's my point? Well, we're going to get into this in a a little bit more detail later about what our main point is, but I just want to briefly say it. The point is, is that Bitcoin drops because people don't know why Bitcoin. They don't understand why Bitcoin. But if they did and they understood that, then they would adopt Bitcoin. Good news is adoption is continuing. Let's look at the technicals, though, because we're going to jump more into that discussion a little bit later. One of the big things that called this downtrend, that uh, that this uh, movement to the downside, that frankly we didn't really want to to hear, but we did see and we did talk about, was the fact that Bitcoin had been in a bear flag uh, ever since January into February, March, and April. We talked about this quite a bit, and I was very open with you guys that it has a price target of $24,000. Now, obviously, we didn't want Bitcoin to go down that far, but at the moment it is, and this, and this, um, price target, as you can see here, really has to be taken very seriously. This price target is drawn from our uh, accumulation uh, our um, accumulation right here, where Bitcoin was in a small uptrend, and then it had this as the bear flag. That points us down to $24,000. That's something that we need to keep in mind. But also, the other thing, guys, is that when Bitcoin drops this far, you're going to see massive, massive, massive resets on many of our indicators. For example, RSI right now on weekly charts, sitting at 32. Let's look at the last few times in history that Bitcoin's RSI has dropped below uh, 35. Right here, we saw in March of 2020, you may recognize that date. December of 2018, you may recognize that date. Back over here, January of 2015, you may recognize that date. What happened during those times when RSI dropped this low? The bottom of a bear market was here. So that's going to be part of our discussion here in a second. Are we in a bear market or were we in a bear market? And now we're just seeing it come to an end. Because it might be time to call it a bear market, but is it is it actually very near the end? Because that's what we're seeing with the RSI. The RSI has only been this low three times, now a fourth time, in the last eight years. And every time, it was at the exact bottom. So with that in mind, Tim, what are some technicals that you're seeing that may be calling this or this area the bottom? Well, you know, even while you're talking about that there, we've, we've said this before, and and. I, I will admit we're wrong. I think I think we're in a bear market. I'm going to explain why, but I'm also going to explain why I th- didn't think we were, and that was right back here in the summer of 2021 when we went down 55%. Now, would we say that this was a bear market? No, we wouldn't say this was a bear market, and yet the price went down 55%. Well, why were Jeb and I holding tight to saying, hey, it's not time to call it a bear market was, well, there was a lot of different fundamentals that were still bullish. There was a lot of things that were coming in the space adoption-wise, and then when we were hovering on this price, we were only down 45%. Even when we came back down here to around 30,000, 34, 35,000, we were only down 50%. So when we dropped below these levels, that's when it started to become very real to me, at least, hey, this could be a bear market. And I'm about to show you a couple other reasons why it could be as well. And that has to do with volume. Now, a lot of you guys are waiting and saying, uh, <laughs> is Tim going to talk about bullish divergence? Let me let me get that out of the way real quick, guys. There's bullish divergence on the four hourly chart. Just want to show you real quick. Boom, the price is coming down right here. Let me zoom in for you. Price coming down, RSI is going up. That's bullish RSI divergence, but that's not what I want to talk about during this little section. What I want to talk about here is volume. Now, this is something that I knew, but it's becoming a little bit more weighty to me, and I'm doing some research on it even right now, because you guys know I also really love the teachings of Richard Wyckoff in the Wyckoff trading method. So let's look at volume here for just a second. This is the first thing we need to notice right now is that the volume has skyrocketed to levels we have not seen since that crash back in May of 2021. Why is this significant? So here's what we gotta start with with the fundamentals of what volume is. Volume is measuring the supply and demand. In one way or another, we're actually measuring what the supply in the market is and what the demand is. So these red histograms, (laughs) these red bars right here down on the volume, these are actually measurements of showing us what is happening to 
supply and how much supply is coming in, the green is actually showing us what's the demand. So when we saw this, this fall right here back on May 9th and this increase, what traders saw is a massive amount of supply come into the space. What was cool though is that we had a green histogram bar right here as well at these levels saying that there's, at these levels there's also a large amount of demand. So that is a reason right now to believe potentially that there is some hope that the bottom could be close. But I wanted to show you guys even throughout the history of what happens when we see volume blow up like this. Let me get to my chart over here. Oh, there we go. I'm, I'm looking the wrong color. So when we come here, I'm gonna go out to the weekly chart just so we can get more looks at this. Look at the history of volume explosions. I went ahead and kind of minted it for you guys with these yellow lines right here. But these are different times throughout history that volume has been kind of boring and then the volume has spiked. And if you look at the correlations, we see dips and rallies, dips and rallies, dips and rallies. And so going back to my chart here on Coinbase, uh, to, to kind of look, that's the one I've used more often than not to chart my stuff. When I see the boring price action that we've had over, or the very volume that we've had over the last year, and I do mean a year, because this spike, the last significant spike we had was the dip of May 2021, now we're in May of 2022, we're seeing volume increase. The good news is, is what we are seeing is that supply is coming back into space. Now, I know that was a lot to get you there, but the significance of these, of these red and green histograms are really big, and as a trader, these are something you should know about. Now, what Richard Wyckoff talks about is how to read when to use these uh, volume bars to make trades. So, let's look at the summer real quick of 2021, and I wanna explain to you what we are looking at. So right here, this is when Tesla announced that they were selling Bitcoin, we had a massive splash. We had a really low. We jumped. We fell down to 10 on the uh, fear and greed index. But look at that red histogram bar. Massive amount of supply. Look at the green, the red histogram bar, and look at the green ones that followed it. It was nowhere done. The volume was high. Even though the price got pretty darn close to the bottom, sitting right there at 29.8, it was not time to rally yet. Why? Because at the moment, there was more supply in the space than demand. Simple economics. We, When you have a match, demand and supply, you're going to move sideways. When your demand is out doing your supply, you're gonna go up. When your supply is greater than your demand, you're gonna go down, yada, yada, yada. That's the basics. What we were looking for, and this is what Richard Wyckoff teaches, is you saw a spike. This was a significant role of saying, hey, there's a lot of supply in the space. Every time you see a nice little green band, it doesn't mean it's correlated with a massive candle. What it means is demand is starting to come back. So right here, we're seeing the red histograms outnumber the green. We have a lot of supply in the space. Whales, institutions, traders love these levels. They want to get the price up to come back down and get more supply. That's the whole teachings. They kind of manipulate the market. They let it go up. They take their profits. They know their levels where there's a lot of supply. As we saw right here, a lot of supply. They can come back down to those same levels and gobble up more. What you're looking for, though, is what we had in the spring with this spring action here in July is look at the volume in correlation with all of this versus the price action. The volume is extremely low. What does this tell the trader? Hey, they have gobbled up all the supply. They gobbled a lot of supply right here. They gobbled a little bit more right here, they gobbled some more right here. When we got over this dip again, there was no supply left. What does that mean? It's time to rally. And then these green histograms that they didn't go crazy, but they did get larger, showed the demand, and that's what started our uptick. Now we had some boring volume all up in here, but what I'm looking at right now, that was a lot to say, we have not really had very interesting volume except for right here, which is why there was a lot of sideways and, and a lot of hope that maybe we're gonna rally because this was the most volume we had seen in months. However, when you're looking at compared to what we have right now, that was nothing. What I love about this volume right here is it's showing us this is the supply level. It doesn't mean we can't go lower. I do think that this WIC 25 is gonna be revisited. Why? because 25.5 is where we have a lot of supply. This is where there's a lot of action. Whales are going to want to come in here, they're gonna wanna buy some of this, and, and they're gonna rally, we're gonna get kind of faked out, we're gonna come up high, I'm gonna show you why that level 34, 35 is significant here in a second, but they're gonna fudge you out, or they're gonna FOMO you in to then fudge you out to drop the prices back down so they can continue to gobble supply. Get ready for this, and potentially even down to 20, to be an area to look at with the volume to understand what the supply is and when you need to actually increase your holdings and when you need to decrease your holdings. The reason it's significant, and this is something I want to point out to Kelly Kellum. He's the one that pointed this out to me, so I want to give him all the credit for it. And which chart did I use? I got to make sure I do this correctly. Which chart did I use to find this one? Oh, no. I, I, 
Jeb, can you comment for just saying, I gotta find the chart. Kelly was showing me the C. Oh, no, no, I remember now. Never mind. Sorry, my bad. CME I'm futures. sorry. I had to go to CME. I wasn't going to get Bitcoin. I had to look at the C, the Bitcoin CME futures. Now, Chicago Martin, Mercantile Exchange. This right here, this is significant. This yellow banner here. Look at this gap we had back in the rise. This is December of 2020 during that bull run we had that was just crazy. Notice that little gap right here. Well, this is part of traders' thoughts. You know, when there's a gap, you come back to fill it. So let me draw it back up for you. Uh, where's my chart right here? There we go. This gap fills this whole portion right here. And sure enough, we wicked right inside of it. Now, this isn't saying necessarily this has to be the bottom, but it is kind of coincidental. And it's kind of funny that we did come down and wick inside of that gap. Could we come down even lower? It would make a lot of sense long term to get down to that 24,700 level, fill that gap up completely, maybe even go a little bit below it just to fill it for certainty. But this is something, a price action you need to keep your eye on. Thank you so much to Kelly Kellum. Make sure you'll follow him on Twitter at Kelly Kellum because he gives you stuff like this all the time that's golden but this got me looking and this got me looking at some thoughts of like oh man what how significant are these gaps well look we had another gap right here in this july of 2021 when we were rallying and sure enough guess what the bottom of this little what we thought was going to be the bottom guess where it bottomed out sure enough right in that gap and then the newest gap that we have formed that we have to solve for is this gap that we formed on the way down right here between 34 two ish and 35,000. We have a gap. Gaps don't only work to the downside, they also work to the upside. We're going to need to fill that gap. What I'm looking at is I potentially think there might be a season of manipulation. Again, we've been in a season of manipulation where we filled this gap. We're finding out we have a large amount of supply. We potentially could rally all the way up to this level 34 and fill this gap, maybe 35, and come back down and retest supply. Look for potentially the next couple of weeks, if not months, we could be bouncing between 25 and $35,000, just like we were bouncing between 40 and 50 here a little bit ago. We could now turn that 40 to 50 into the 25 to $35,000 trading range. Great for traders. DCAers continue to build it up. Investors, you want your money now? I'm sorry. Might not happen here soon. Well, boom. Thank you very much for that, Tim. I really do appreciate it. Now, as far as my official stance on whether or not Bitcoin is in a bear market now, you think this is going to be a complicated answer? It's really not. Let's go back to why I said we weren't in a bear market yet. I said we weren't in a bear market, and this has been my stance for a very long time. The reason I said we're not in a bear market is because the trend is your friend until it ends. Well, how do we know a trend ends? Well, you set lower highs and lower lows. We had a lower high that was set here on the 30th of March. Below that, before that, we technically had a lower high on the 10th of February, 2022, but we didn't have a lower high, a lower low. So we had not entered a bear market. We had not reset the trend. Well, now we do. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, we have entered a bear market. Everybody in chat's like, oh my gosh, Jeb's delusional. He's not going to say it. No, I'm going to say it. We're in a bear market. That is consistent with what I've been saying for the last six months, that if we were to set lower highs and lower lows and we were to drop below $29,000, which was our previous low, then yes, I will call this a bear market. And that's what it looks like we're in. That being said, the way that I define when we're in a bull market or a bear market is quite a bit different from most other people. Most other people would have called this a bear market a long time ago. It is subjective, so it's not that one is right and one is wrong. But the point is, most people would say, especially with the benefit of hindsight, that Bitcoin has been in a bear market since probably December, maybe January. That's actually a very good thing because this has been a very fast, accelerated bear market if it has been one for that long. What we're looking at right now is a 60% drop. And as I said earlier, we've seen an absolute bottoming on things like the weekly chart RSI. That's a good thing. What that tells us is that while yes, we can now call this a bear market, that does not for a second mean that we're going to stay down here for that long. According to these charts that I'm showing you guys out here on the weekly, Bitcoin is just bottomed. Like Bitcoin has just hit the bottom on the price action or is a week or two away from it. It's very close to it. Put it that way. The last time we saw RSI drop this low to 33, it was in March. Before that, at the end of a proper bear market, not just a black swan, we dropped down to 29. We could drop down to 29. In doing so, you could see Bitcoin drop down to $20,000. By the way, if you remember, Back when we were looking at Bitcoin uh, here in uh, June and July of last year, I told you guys Bitcoin could go down to $24,000. I said that and I got hell for it. Everybody started talking about that, said, oh, Jeb said it go down to $24,000. Yeah, I did. 
because that's where the technicals and the fundamentals pointed. Luckily, that didn't happen. We went into a rally and a lot of people made a lot of money and that was great and that was wonderful. However, those technicals were still there. And I do believe that the fundamentals are strong. And I did think more recently, I hoped that we would hold $30,000. I will admit that, that's true. But it does look like now we're starting to see that lower drop down to $24,000, So where do we go from here? Well, obviously, the 20 weekly exponential moving average is an answer to that. We've seen Bitcoin come down and test that level multiple times in history, once, twice, and three times. By the way, at the exact same time as we were bottoming out in price action. And now we're down here again. In this case, we actually dropped below it quite a bit. We dropped about 20% below it. So in theory, the worst that could be done at this rate, based on historical analysis, would be a drop down to $21,000. And that would be in keeping with what we saw happen here in uh, the end of 2018, when we dropped 20% below the 200 weekly EMA. During the bottom of our previous bear market, we saw Bitcoin bounced off of it. In this case, this was a black swan and we only dropped about 30% below, but that was only for about 10 hours. So I'm not sure if that should really count. What this tells me is that our absolute bottom is probably somewhere just above $20,000. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to go to $20,000, but it does mean that if we do, we probably won't go lower than that. As far as the uh, as far as far other simple moving averages, let me just pull up another moving average here. Let's get a simple moving average, a, three, a 200 SMA. We pull up a 200 SMA, it lags a little bit. And... <clears throat> If we remove our 200 exponential moving average, that gives us a little bit more detail. You can see we bounced off of it here. We bounced off of it perfectly here. We didn't drop below it in this case back in 2018. Take a look at that. We went down and tested it perfectly at $3,200. Right here on the candle bodies anyway, we tested this line almost perfectly. And this line just so happens to show up at 22K, which is exactly what I was saying earlier. So by the way, $22,000 would also see RSI drop down to 30, which is the exact same level that we've dropped down to during previous bear markets. All in all, Bitcoin is almost certainly most of the way done with its drop. We are probably within $8,000 of the absolute bottom right now because the absolute bottom is probably somewhere between twenty dollars to $22,000. That does not mean that this is going to be over soon. I'm talking about the bottom in price. There's also the bottom in time. When does the spring happen? When do we start having a big rally? We don't know that. That's a lot harder to predict. But as far as the price that Bitcoin is going to go to, I do think a twenty dollars to $22,000 Bitcoin is not only possible, I actually think there's a pretty decent chance of it now that we've broken below $29K. If that occurs, Good. And I hope it happens soon because I would love for that market to drop down there very quickly, have a dead cap bounce, drop down there again, and then trade sideways for a little while and then go into a big rally as many of the institutions step in. And then we can start to have big gains and people will jump in. I'm a little over time, but is this a bear market? Yes, I'm now in the camp that I'm calling it one. Tim, are you? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Here's what people That's need great. to be prepared for, though, is uh, I don't think it's going to drop all the way down there again with the, these massive volume histograms coming in and the green is starting to semi-match it i would actually not be surprised if we see a potential sideways movement and then we'll see another another drop similar to what we've had almost this whole time is we, we we've hit a new level we're gonna move sideways a little bit do not be surprised if 22 doesn't happen by the end of this week it, it'll take some time move sideways kind of use the supply when we realize the demand is not there to meet match the supply they'll be able to create more and go down and uh yeah i, I again i'm not saying it's 100 percent to 20 2022 but for anyone who's been calling it, I want my hats off to you. You know, I, I didn't see the evidence before the way I see it right now, but the evidence there is more damning than I've seen it uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yep. So let's go ahead and jump into our community discussion because I took us a couple minutes over, yeah. but we'll catch up. Well, while we uh, make sure we get all of those in, why don't you go ahead and read our word from our sponsor? Yeah, we have a sponsor and they are Hedge. We are very, very thankful to be sponsored and brought to you by Hedge. Hedge is a payroll conversion solution that allows users to automatically convert their pay, i.e. W-2, 1099, commission, etc. from fiat to cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin via direct deposit. It eliminates the need for traditional exchange experience and streamlines the process from pay to crypto wallets in one seamless application. This non-intrusive design enables companies to keep their current process flow and HR service providers with no setup fees. That's really cool. They release custody of assets the same day as payment as well as the freedom to be sent to any wallet. They believe in the decentralization aspect crypto brings and they want to maintain those values by allowing individuals 
individuals to use their assets as they please. I had the pleasure of meeting the founder of Hedge at Bitcoin 2022, had a good conversation with him, had a good conversation about the Lord with him, actually. And uh, I was very impressed by uh, his personality, his character. And I do believe that the people at Hedge have a lot of integrity and that they have a solid team working on that project and on that company. So make sure to check them out. The link is down below. You know, the other thing, what a, what a great opportunity and time. When would be a better time to be getting your payroll in For Bitcoin? Real. Because I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's on the way down. Like, well, no, like the bottom is the best time to start collecting your payroll. That's the that's just a natural DCA right, right there to get in those low levels. So if you're a company owner or if you are working in a company where you have influence over your owner, or the HR. Have them uh, have them reach out. Yeah, to, definitely uh, have them check Hedge. out Hedge. Hedge, is, Hedge is really solid. <laughs> By the way, Jeb, we're going to have a conversation later. About I was going to say, we need to have a conversation <laughs> about maybe using Hedge for that. Yeah. That'd be All pretty well, great. Let's go ahead and do some super chats here. Corey said, everything hurts. <laughs> the, everything hurts. We're oh, with man. you there, Corey. Life alert still hasn't helped the market. Make it stop. <laughs> Happy Thursday, fellas. God bless. <laughs> so, uh, I, feel you, I think Luna fell down the stairs and broke a hip, guys. I don't know if that's... Uh, <laughs> life alert's definitely going to need to be on the way for that one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. James Caldwell said, check out the 200 EMA on the Bitcoin Weekly, March Ooh. 2020, and now seems important. Uh, yeah, it would be. I didn't know that that was a super chat, but we just looked at that yep. because it is important. It's one of the first times recently I've been using moving averages because they frankly hadn't been very important when Bitcoin was trading sideways. But now that we're actually looking for a bottom, they're vitally important. Don't One tip on that. Remember that different technical indicators and different uh, things like moving averages are more and less useful in certain cases. Moving averages are frankly not that useful when Bitcoin's trading sideways. When we're trying to find a bottom, they're really important. So that's why you haven't heard me yeah. talk about them lately, but I am now. It's almost like there's there's seasons where things become more yes, relevant exactly. than other times. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, last one I see here from Tom Wilkes said, this has been said, but bears repeating over and over again. Stop losses are vitally important and must not be forgotten or ignored. Saved me from taking a huge loss on Luna. I have stop losses on everything but Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's a really good point. Bitcoin and Ethereum, you can store on a, uh, a cold storage wallet, but there are online on exchange uh, places that you can store your cryptocurrency. It's obviously still not your keys, not your coins. So you have to be careful about that. But you can store it somewhere like Coinbase and they can you can have a stop loss set up on that holding. It's not a bad idea. By the way, guys, if you are trying to store your cryptocurrency for the long run, because what just happened to uh, what just happened to Terra can't happen to Bitcoin. The best way to do it is with a ledger product. So make sure to check out ledger. The link is down below. Hmm. Well, the last thing before we transition, we have twenty five hundred people yeah. in chat. This is I think this is the most viewed stream we've had now in a couple of months. Yeah, I think so. But what is not sitting anywhere close to all time high is the like button. Yeah, come on, we got five hundred seventy four is not anywhere close to twenty five hundred. I I actually think before the end of this next segment, we could be sitting at twelve or thirteen hundred. I think you're easily. right. Easily, easily, easily. Come on, guys, smash that like button if you think we deserved it. If you think we didn't deserve it, make sure to hit the dislike button twice so we know that you really, really don't like the stream. If you're a hater, we appreciate it. Make sure to hit it twice, even four times. Four times would also do it. Maybe six, you know, just make sure it's an even number and we'll be good. Just kidding. If you actually do dislike the stream, it just gives us engagement and pumps us in the algorithm either way. So Damn. hit one of those buttons. We really appreciate it. But we're about to jump into our discussion segment now. The big idea. Bitcoin's dip is continuing, but global adoption is as well. Tim, let me ask you this. What are we seeing on the adoption front and why should yeah. we be excited about it? Well, we're about to jump into some articles and talk the details, but there's news coming out of China. We all know China has been been one of the big bag, big bag, <laughs> big bad. Say the word, Tim. Big bad bear. Big bad bear. B. Big bad bear. Big bad bear. Big bad bear. But they might be coming the big bad bull. And we'll Ooh. see that here in just a second. I don't think that that's a little extreme. They're not becoming the big bad bull, but they're they're turning a little more bullish. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Australia has an ETF launching today. What does that yep. mean? Again, even though the price is going down, we're going to talk about the significance of this here in a second. And the last one is Grayscale getting closer to getting a U.S. spot ETF. Again, <laughs> all of these are significant. Why, Jeb? Because even though the price is going down, guess what the price follows? The fundamentals. Yep. We're working on the fundamentals is a delayed effect. When those fundamentals start to produce, the price will start to follow afterwards, taking us back to the upside. That's right. And that's what we need to keep in mind is that price is always downstream from fundamentals. That's why all of this discussion about fundamentals matter. That's why we make sure to talk about fundamentals is because if we only talk about the price, then you're missing a big part of the, a big part of the picture. If you don't understand 
how the landscape is developing fundamentally, then you're not going to understand why the price does what it does in the long run. Here's a good example. Technical analysis never would have predicted this chart. Take a look at this. Technical analysis would have never called this. This is not something that you call with technical analysis. This mm -hmm. whole half moon right here, Luna looking like a half moon, you, you, you don't call that with TA. This is not a TA-inspired drop. You don't see technical analysis call a drop to the downside in 37 days of literally 100%. UST, USDT is Luna is sitting at half a penny. When it's all-time high, it was the darling of cryptocurrency. It was at 120. It was the only thing hitting all-time high in early April. Everything else was down. It was the only thing hitting all-time high. Do Kwon was becoming one of the most influential names in the cryptocurrency space with his grand vision to buy $10 billion worth of Bitcoin. Now where's that gone? Now they're having to use that money to cover their butt. There is a lot of things going on with Terra Luna here. It did not happen price-wise. It happened fundamentally because the fundamentals always drive the price. And whenever you don't see that, it's because you're not looking at it on a long enough time horizon. If you look at the long term for Bitcoin here, technical analysis would not have called the 2017 bull market. Technical analysis would not have said, yeah, Bitcoin's going to go from 400 to $20,000. Now, as far as the movements in between on these time frames in this area, yeah, it's going to do that. As far as how we would get back up to $20,000, yes, it's going to do that. But technical analysis, you can try and extrapolate and say, okay, we might go to $70,000, but you're not going to do all of that with TA. Don't get me wrong. TA is indispensable. It is absolutely vital. Just as far as you have to have fundamentals, you have to have TA. You cannot do one without the other if you want to have a holistic point of view on the market. But if you are scared of the price action right now, I encourage you to remember what drives it in the long term, and it is fundamental. So the fundamentals right now are mixed. There are some bad fundamentals. For example, the largest war in three quarters of a century is going on on European soil, and it is a travesty, and it is one of the largest humanitarian crises that we have seen in a, in a very long time. It's a horrible, horrible thing. It's also having impacts on supply chains. It's having impacts on global econ economics. Airlines are having to reroute around the world in the exact same way that they had to do during the, the the era of the Soviet Union because everybody is close because the, the uh, Russia has closed airspace to pretty much everybody and everybody's closed airspace to Russia so it's having huge implications on the global markets. On top of that, the Federal Reserve just raised interest rates by 50 basis points. Inflation's out of control. Gas prices are $4.50 around the, around the nation. Rising unemployment rates, uh, excuse me, rising um, uh, uh, minimum wage is not keeping up with inflation. There are all kinds of bad things happening around the world right now. But the good news is everything I just said, everything I just said sucks. What's the good news? The good news is Bitcoin's part of the solution to all of it. Now, it's not the solution to war. It's not the solution to unemployment. But if you're in a war-torn country, how do you use your money when the banking system is destroyed? You can't do it, but you can do it with Bitcoin. If you are trying to pay for gas and you can't afford it, well, then your investment in Bitcoin that you made five years ago is going to help because the part of the reason why gas prices are going up is because U.S. dollar is going down. So my point is, many of the problems that are symptoms of other problems, such as war or inflation, Many of those problems are solved part, uh, partly by Bitcoin. So what do I mean by this? Well, whenever Bitcoin's fundamentals grow, the price action will follow. It may take years. We've talked about yesterday how inflation is something that takes a very long time. To see uh, inflation hit the economy, it takes a couple of years for raw resources to move through the supply chains and through the assembly processes of most finished goods. A Toyota Camry that is rolling off the assembly line at TMMK in Kentucky right now is likely using steel that was created in a foundry a year ago that was using iron and carbon that was mined uh, a year before that. So Two years ago, we were generating the raw resources that are going into finished products rolling off assembly lines today. That means that inflation takes years to fully kick in. In the same way, it takes years for fundamentals to fully kick in on the price action. The rally that drove us to $65,000 was built on fundamentals that were put into the space in 2019 and 2020 that led us to 2021. The rally that we're going to see in the next year to the next 18 months is being built right now, but will roll off the assembly line in 12 to 18 months. What we're going to see happen is carnage over the next couple of days. We've already seen it. I don't know where the bottom is on Bitcoin. I've told you where I think the lowest part of the bottom could be, twenty to $22,000, but I don't know exactly how or when or if we're going to get down to twenty to twenty-two. What I can tell you 
is that now it's going to take a lot longer for us to go into a new rally and kick off a bull market. But when that does occur, it is going to be a multi-hundred billion dollar market cap run, and you're going to see trillions of dollars flow into the space because when people realize, hey, their money is being destroyed, war is happening, and the part of the reason that it's taking place is because of failed banking systems. I don't have time to get into the, the, the part that failed currencies and failed banking systems played in the, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now, but that did play a part. When people realize that there's a lot of problems in the world that can be partially solved by Bitcoin as they are learning every single day, doing part to channels like ours and people like you going out and spreading the good word of Bitcoin. As they realize that, they will turn to Bitcoin as a solution, as they have always done. More and more people are understanding right now. And when the U.S. dollar loses half of its value in the next five years, then people are going to look for a place to run. And there's only one place for them to run. That's Bitcoin. So, that's the overarching idea. Price is always downstream from fundamentals. The fundamentals are growing rapidly, and the education of why those fundamentals are important in the first place is growing rapidly. But let's take a little bit deeper dive into some of these. Aussie's crypto ETF sees $1.3 million volume so far on difficult launch day. This is a very interesting timing for an ETF to go live. We saw a massive ETF go live in Australia for Bitcoin. This ETF is pretty significant because Australia is one of the world's larger economies. I believe it's around number 10 to 15. I want to say they have a little over a trillion dollars in uh, GDP. Tim, feel free to fact check me on that. But the point is they're a major first world economy. Having, a having an ETF, excuse me, go online is a pretty big deal. This is interesting timing and I'll tell you why. The CME Futures ETF, the uh, CME Futures went live on Bitcoin on the very day that we hit all-time high uh, back here in December of 2017. They went live literally on the day, 17th of December 2017. If you go and look at CME Futures for Bitcoin, then you will see that in the chart. I believe I can pull it all up uh, real quick. Let me find these. Uh, Bitcoin... Don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this chart up quickly. I'd have to go and find it. But the point is, CME Futures launched on the very day that we hit all-time high. And a lot of people said that it called the reversal. Well, perhaps we're seeing the exact same thing happen in reverse. On this case, we're seeing an ETF go live on the very bottom. We may end up seeing that occur. The point is, this is a big fundamental development because as more nations bring online ETFs, the Securities and Exchange Commission is going to feel more and more secure to do the same for Bitcoin in the United States. So make sure that you pay attention to ETFs. This is a huge deal, and it allows more conservative investors to get into the space. Another thing, Grayscale. They had a productive meeting with the SEC on Bitcoin ETF conversation. I'm actually going to throw it to T-Shroom really quickly on this one. T-Shroom, can you talk to us a little bit about what Grayscale is doing and what, why we have been following them so closely on their pursuit of a Bitcoin ETF? Uh, well, it, it's a huge deal. I mean, uh, Grayscale is uh, has been really, really trying. There's somebody right there. Uh, he's been. He's. Uh, they've been really uh, hammering it home with the SEC that uh, a spot ETF is good for consumers, and you know the SEC has been giving them pushback, giving them pushback, and it's just like what you said, Jeb. Is you know the, uh, as around the world, and this is, this is. I think it's one of the first spot ETFs. I don't know that it is the first uh, internationally, but now that uh, Australia brings online their spot ETF and it doesn't completely you know crash and burn, which it, it shouldn't, if all things uh, that I understand about it. Uh, go as planned, then, you know, it does give the UK and, and countries like the US, the UK, Canada, uh, and Germany, like the uh, the data that they need to go ahead and, and tell their regulatory agencies, hey, like maybe it's time for us to have a spot ETF. It didn't go poorly. Uh, it went as planned and it stayed within the risk parameters set up by these uh, by these financial institutions. So it's, it's a full cent, you know, and we're just a step closer to that uh, with Grayscale having a productive meeting with the SEC. And, and I don't think the SEC is ready to push that button yet. Uh, but, you know, this article is kind of uh, hinting towards us being a next step closer towards that. And when that occurs, it's pro it may not see a massive rally at the time. If we're in a bull market and in a major rally, when that spot ETF gets approved, and by the way, I'm not saying if, I'm saying when, it's going to happen. There is going to be a Bitcoin spot ETF. That's, unless they create a new asset class for it and they call it something other than an ETF, then it's going to occur. And when it does, if we're in a rally, oh man, you want to talk about hype. You want to talk about FOMO. It's going to go crazy. You can see Bitcoin jump 30%, $300 billion in market cap in a day. If it happens right now, it'll probably do nothing because whenever you see a big news story like that happen, what it does is it serves as a catalytic event for the reaction that's already going on 
to speed up. In, in chemistry, you have things called catalysts. In a car, you have a catalytic converter. It speeds up a process that's already occurring. So if we're not already in a bullish process, then the bullish news, which is catalytic, is not going to actually cause a massive rally. It might cause a little bump, but what it really does, it acts like it acts like an afterburner. It it doesn't it isn't the thing that drives the jet fighter. It's the thing that propels it faster, even though it was already moving. So if this occurs at the right time, it could be huge. If it happens right now, it's not going to be that big of a deal price-wise. It'd be a huge deal fundamentally. The good news is a Bitcoin ETF would have massive fundamental implications. But remember, those fundamentals take a long time to play in. So, Tim, I want to throw it to you a little bit. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what the Shanghai High Court deems Bitcoin? Well, so at the moment, I'm not going to even go too much detail into the story itself. But it's it as we talked about before. China's been one of the big bag bears. They they really have made it as hard as possible to not only, I mean, they've almost made it impossible to mine Bitcoin there anymore, let alone own it. They actually had all these different like, rules and laws they were trying to develop to say that Bitcoin should only be being allowed to be bought and traded by people who are professionals. But a Shanghai court deems Bitcoin virtual property. And, and because of that, by law, they have to allow people to be able to purchase it and own it, and it cannot be banned. So this is going to allow, again, I don't think that every single China Chinese investor flooded out anyway. I think a lot of them ended up probably just breaking laws that were put into place in their provinces. But this would now protect them and should bring more adoption from people who are potentially afraid of the government, afraid of being found out that they hold Bitcoin, that they're investing in Bitcoin, that they're trading Bitcoin. And this now is actually going to allow them to have confidence, to have freedom, to continue from a Chinese front to invest in Bitcoin. And we don't even need to get into the, the details of how important it is with China being, I, I, I don't want to say they are number one because maybe India or someone else is number one, but China is that are they the most populated country? I, they're fighting for they're fighting to make they're always right there. India will be taking them over in about yes. five years. Okay, so if I remember right. We're talking about a top two populated country in the world making a court deeming that they, this is virtual property. You cannot ban them from owning it. That is bullish in terms of bringing more people into the space. And again, especially as this news breaks, with the prices so low, I'm not really sure exactly what Bitcoin looks like against the Chinese yuan, but what it looks like against the dollar, which again, a lot of the world looks at that US dollar to look at the value. This is a very great time to find out if you're in China, oh, I can go buy it. Well, oh, look at that price. Yeah, okay. Good time. We're good. Yeah, and by the way, I just looked it up. It is projected by the United Nations that India will overtake China in five years. So okay. Well, as go. of right now, they're number one. As of right now, they're number one. Either way, it is the second largest economy on planet Earth. But let's go ahead and move into some questions here. I want to throw it to T-Shroom first. T-Shroom, we've seen a lot of institutions step into the crypto space. In fact, if they had not, we probably wouldn't have seen the $70,000 run because retail had already started to dry up at that point. It's very dry right now. It's a desert out there for retail. You got diehard crypto fans as you you guys in chat are, and then you have the institutions in crypto right now. I think institutional investment will be one of the things that will turn the price around to allow the retail to find interest in it, and then we'll take off a bull market. So it's very important that we see institutions step into the space during this time. What institutions do you think are going to be attracted to crypto by these recent price and potentially ETF developments? It's an excellent question, Jeb. Well, you have a couple <laughs> of different types of buyers of assets in general, right? You have the retail market, people like you and me, people's personal accounts that, that trade or they invest on a personal basis. And then you have Wall Street hedge funds that they're, they're, they like to get into higher risk investments as well. But then you have uh, pension funds and you have sovereign wealth funds. And then you also have people's 401k plans that are managed by companies by like F Fidelity, right? Fidelity is going to be a huge, huge adopter here pretty mm -hmm. soon when they open yeah. up their, when those uh, 401k options go live up to 20%, uh, folks can diversify their 401ks now through Fidelity. Well, they, they will be able to. The other big one is going to be pension funds for teachers and police. So states, probably the state you live in, if you live in the United States, Florida, New York, California, these pensions will be able to look at assets like uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and perhaps Cardano, whatever it is, whatever they think is uh, good for their pension and good for their upside, and, and they can then invest in that. I do remember a couple of months ago, a South Korean pen teacher's pension, actually, uh, I think it took a position in Bitcoin, one of the Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, and so, so you have seen a little bit of adoption even in those uh, ultra low tranche uh, risk um, um, money management uh, funds. So 
uh, con more conservative funds is the uh, is the answer there. More conservative institutions like pension funds, and those are the by far the biggest uh, vessels of wealth uh, around the world, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Those are uh, vessels of wealth that are managed by the state for the people that are employed by the state or uh, have bought into some kind of state pension plan or state uh, fund. So those are those, and that's a, just a ton of money. And then you also have the 401ks specifically of, of America and Europe. Uh, I don't know if they're called 401ks in Europe, they're probably not, but uh, those folks are a little bit different. They, they kind of act like the retail market in a sense because they're individual people, but their 401ks are often managed by people who, uh, by institutions that mimic some of those pension funds because they mm -hmm. wanna keep a similar risk tolerance and a risk approach to what they're buying. So hopefully that answers your question. It's, it's just getting yeah. more and more conservative. And the more conservative you get, the bigger the, the vessel of money. You know, real is. quick, real quick, just for any viewer who might be joining who does not know what an ETF is, could you quickly, Jeb, describe what an ETF is and why yep. they, it should be important even to these viewers? Yeah, absolutely. So an ETF is an, is an exchange-traded fund. So essentially you have different funds in the uh, traditional markets, so on stock exchanges, and different traditional exchanges. And essentially what an ETF is, is a it, it's a type of derivative. So it derives the price of something from, it can be a derivative, it'll derive the price of something from another asset. So you can have an ETF of corn, you can have an ETF of soy, you can even have an ETF of Bitcoin, you can have an ETF of gold or silver. And it basically allows for that asset to be traded on a traditional exchange and then used in the tradi traditional investment vehicles. What a Bitcoin ETF would do is, especially a spot ETF, is different from a futures ETF. A futures ETF is a proper derivative. It doesn't actually hold Bitcoin. There's not actually a one-to-one -one holding, a peg, for, not a peg, but a one-to-one -one backing is the word I'm looking for, for one Bitcoin equals one uh, Bitcoin worth of uh, Bitcoin futures ETF. A spot Bitcoin ETF has should have custody, i.e. if you have one Bitcoin ETF, uh, one Bitcoin worth of a Bitcoin ETF, it's not always going to be one Bitcoin in denomination, then there should be one Bitcoin being held somewhere, locked up, and then being taken out of circulation. That's really important because it allows for the traditional markets to buy Bitcoin while also bringing down the circulating supply and having an effect on the supply and demand side economics of Bitcoin while also opening up the traditional markets to Bitcoin investment. Instead of somebody who has a, you know, a 401k with, with Fidelity who may, not, uh, uh, who may not have had this option before, they would have to go and buy on Coinbase, but an ETF brings online the ability to buy Bitcoin using traditional products. So mm -hmm. that's why it's important. Another question that we want to bring to the forefront here is, is it bad that ETFs are being approved within a bear market? I don't think so. No. I think it's actually, well, Tim, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think that, again, they're being approved here. Same thing what I just said when we were talking about hedge. <laughs> again, when would you want to be paid by your employee, or by your employer in Bitcoin? Not the top, the bottom. The middle's fine, yep. but the best place to get paid in Bitcoin is the bottom. Same thing That's with right. spot ETF. If you're looking to enter, when would be a better spot to enter into a spot ETF than the bottom, than a low price in the in the longevity of things? It, it is the greatest spot. Like I actually wonder if this is semi, this was being held off because of that, if they were holding off to lower prices, because it's going to be the best spot for these institutions to get in safely and feel confident in if they understand it. Now, if, if you think Bitcoin's still going down, again, you don't want to buy in the middle of the dip either, assuming that we're getting closer to the bottom, that bottom being around 20, maybe even 22. Maybe it's in right now. You never know. But this is the best time to be entering that space because when you get in early and low, you're going to make the most profits off of it overall. That's right. So continue to DCA and don't be scared to buy the dip on projects that have not had a fundamental change. I'm not talking about Luna. Be very scared to buy the dip on Luna because that's a dead project now. But Bitcoin is not. Its fundamentals have not changed. Just kidding. They have. They've only gotten better. They're only ever getting better. So don't be afraid to buy the dip on Bitcoin. Just make sure you are not investing more than you're willing to lose because that's the position a lot of people are in. Despite all the fear, guys, everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be okay. Bitcoin mm -hmm. is going to go back up. I've watched Bitcoin drop 85% in the span of just over 12 months before, and then it went on to rally from there 2,000% in the next three years. So it's going to be all right. You're going to see a multi-hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin in the future. I'm not phased by this. Just make sure that you're not investing more than you're willing to lose because if you are, anxiety will abound because it's very difficult to not get anxious about an investment when you have too much money in it in the first place. And if it goes down, you cannot do anything about it. One final point I want to make here, and some of you guys are talking about this in chat. Parker, for example, uh, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't Parker. Let's see. Somebody said, let's see here. There was a chat up here that I wanted to read. Um, 
I don't know where it is, but here we go. Michael P. said, if I lost everything I own tomorrow, I will continue to live by my core values such as courage, character, and effort. Attaching self-worth to a dollar amount is a mistake. And I agree. What we do when we attach our self-worth, and you'll see why I'm saying this. this, is a very important what I'm saying here. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but it is. The mistake that we make oftentimes in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is we attach our self-worth to our to our dollar value worth or our Bitcoin worth. I'm not saying that, oh, it's don't attach it to dollars, attach it to Bitcoin. That's not what I'm saying at all. If you attach your self-worth to crypto, you're making a mistake. And the reason is you're making it into an idol. If you attach your self-worth to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, that can disappear, but your character Mm. Whoa. Attach your self-worth to, if you're a Christian, and I hope that you become uh, a believer if you're not, attach it to the Lord. But if you're not, that's okay. I'm not here to push something on you. What I am here to say is that if you attach your self-worth to crypto, that will become a problem when Bitcoin's down 65%. Attach your self-worth at least, this is better than nothing, to your courage, your character, your effort, your core values. Root it in the right thing. Because if you root your self-worth in crypto, you're going to end up being in a dangerous position. Not just a bad position, you will end up being potentially in a dangerous position. I remember when Bitcoin, and this is why, I'm about to show you why this is so important and why I'm saying that what I'm saying is so important. I normally don't say what I'm saying is so important. I am right now, so please listen. I remember watching Bitcoin hit $20,000, and then I watched on Reddit people talk about people that they knew not being alive anymore. I'm not going to say what it is because YouTube could demonetize us, but my point is this. Bitcoin is down a lot right now. A lot of people just lost their life savings in Terra Luna. Some of you guys in this chat are reporting that you have done that, that you have been in that position, excuse me, not done that. And that is a terrible crying shame, and I don't wish that on anybody. I don't want any of you guys to lose money. I don't want any of you guys to be affected in a bad way from this. I want all of us to prosper in crypto, and that's why we are constantly hammering education, because if you don't educate yourself, you are much more likely to lose in crypto. But here's the fact of the matter. No matter how good you are in crypto, you're going to lose money. The best investors make mistakes sometimes, and you have to understand that's going to occur. You have to make sure you're not putting your self-worth in crypto. If you've lost a lot of money in crypto, then reach out to somebody and talk to somebody, maybe a friend, maybe a counselor, maybe a parent, Mm. and make sure that you're not isolating yourselves. Because that's one of the worst things you can do in this time if you're in a very bad state of depression. I've struggled with depression all my life. Not recently, I'm free of that, I'm very thankful for that. But for the majority of my life, I struggle very big time, very, very much so with depression and anxiety. And I remember when Bitcoin hit $20,000 and then it dropped to $6,000 and I was trying to make a better life for myself in crypto. I remember how much that hurt. Now I only had a couple hundred dollars in the market because I was a high schooler at the time, but that hurt a lot. And I was very anxious and very depressed by that. I didn't get myself, I wasn't in a bad state. I wasn't in a dangerous state. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that I've seen people there. Mm. You might not be there, but someone you know might be. So make sure that if you haven't heard from somebody recently, check in on them. Because you never know where uh, the market can leave somebody's mental health. And you never know if you could save a lot or if you could be instrumental in somebody saving their own life by making sure that they don't make a mistake. Not to be a downer, but I hope that these words will help somebody. Tim, do you have any final thoughts on that no, or anything I, in the show? I, I think that's beautiful. We've said that before. Listen, if people want to use this channel and this and crypto and, and, and their gains to buy a Lambo or to buy a new house, listen, we live in a country where you have the freedom and ability to do so. I'm happy for you personally, but I have a question about your your end goal in life. And when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about all the cool things you own. You're going to be thinking about the impact you left behind you. And that's the cool opportunity we have in the crypto space is to make money in a way to help other people. But you can't do that if you leave other people behind. The whole point of this community is to grow and increase together. And when we lose, we need to feel that together. Hey, man, we need to rally beside each other, encourage one another. It's bigger than crypto. Crypto is a tool to accomplish the real stuff. That's right. So, you know, we're going to go around a little long today. That's okay, because we got some super chats. We got a word from one more sponsor, Link2. Jeb, what is Link2 all about? Yeah, well, guys, we would like to give a final shout out to our sponsor, Link2. That's Link2, L-I-N-Q-T-O.com. They offer the average investor access to the world's top unicorns, aka private companies with greater than $1 billion in valuation. Traditionally, only 2% of the world's accredited investors have had access to private markets, and those elite investors have made an average investment of $7.5 million. But Link2 is democratizing private investment by offering private shares 
shares of companies like Ripple, Uphold, Dapper Labs, BitPay, and BlockFi, household names, for a minimum as low as $10,000. Giving pending, pending recessions, inflation, volatility of public equities markets, the recent Terra Luna fiasco, Bitcoin dropping quite a lot, and more. Most investors, not most, some more investors are exploring private markets. We can't promise that every link to listing will go public, but the company does have a fantastic track record, including exits like Coinbase, Robinhood, SoFi, Marketa, and Innovium. On a credibility note, Link2 is compliant in over 100 countries globally and has over $120 million in investments on the platform. Go to Link2.com to automate yeah. the SEC's process to become an accredited investor today and access pre-IPO investments, proprietary research, and check out the prices on shares of Ripple Labs before the SEC lawsuit settles. You can find the link down below. And this is and this is just such a good time because crypto is not the only investment out there. Yes, it's a crypto channel. Yes, we think it's a great time to buy crypto. It's a great time to do a lot of things. Uh, you know, this these companies... <laughs> this is the best time to get in on them when they're private and they're small. But mm -hmm. the problem is more often than not, you don't, you gotta get blocked away from those. This is a company letting you do that. You know, I haven't told you guys the other day uh, on my Twitter, those of you who follow me over there at Tim's at Tim's TA underscore TA. That is uh, Taylor. And I, I don't even know if Jeb knows this. Taylor and I were this close, this close to buying a house. We were in contract. I was going to say, I thought you were under contract. I was we were under that. contract. What? I looked at the price. I thought about what I want to do. It was an investment opportunity. I wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't buying the house to live in it forever. I was like, I want to invest in this, rent it out later. I said, you know what? Right now, I like it better to go into crypto. I think crypto is low, but I, I, I think this isn't the best time to invest in real estate in terms of trying to do business. But it's also, I mean, with what we're going to see with the interest rates, you never know. Same thing with these companies. It's not just crypto. If you're looking to get into the stock market, if you're looking to invest in these businesses that are young, you know, yes, it's bleeding. Guess when the best time is to buy when there's blood in the streets. So this is just, this company is actually allowing people to level the play, playing field because before it seemed like only the elite and the ones with the really close connections got to purchase private companies and get in on the ground floor. Now they're making it so the average individual can get in there. Uh, and, and again, you have to do it through an accredited investor, but you go to an investor, you, you, you can get very easily and say, I want to be in this. You can do it very easily. I definitely suggest getting into Link2. This you is want, something that I'm looking at as well. You want to know why I love Link2? Yeah. Because it stands for they stand for financial sovereignty. Exactly. Because before, you had to be an accredited investor, and you didn't have control over whether or not you invested in these companies, even if the company wanted to sell to you because the SEC stepped in and said, no, 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 no. You're not smart enough to invest in these companies because you don't have a high enough net worth. That's literally what they say when you're an accredited investor, metaphorically. Link2 helps to break that down. So they stand for financial sovereignty, so we stand with them. Make sure to check them out. Link down below. But we have some super chats yeah, to run we'll through. Yeah, we'll close out with some super chats here. We got one from Silva Dalla saying, Jeb and Tim and Smainold... I love that people are adopting my name. I know, that's name. great. Uh, and the rest of the team, so that includes you, T. Shroom. Y'all are amazing. I've been here since sub 50K subscribers. Woo! One of the most Boom. genuine channels in the space. Thank you guys so much. Keep shining that light. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank Appreciate you so much, that. Silva. Silva. Uh, we have an, uh, just a donation from Kyle Kingsley. I don't see any comments there, but Kyle, thank you so much. Uh, Tom Wilkes, member for nine months, gave. He's a, a Jedi Grand Master. Yes, he is. Uh, he said, huge FUD piece yesterday. Re-Coinbase and custodial assets yep. possibly being subject to bankruptcy proceedings in the events that Coinbase files bankruptcy. Can you speak to this and let everyone know that this is not the end of the world, but another point to favor of cold storage? Absolutely. We'll have to speak on that in another stream, potentially a video. That might yeah. actually be a good video topic there. Uh, in short, Coinbase basically said, hey, if we went bankrupt, our holdings might be subject to that. They are not going bankrupt, They're to not, be clear. Yeah. Coinbase is doing all right. That is definitely a foot. But again, if if there's a part of you that's scared, go get go get a cold wallet like Ledger. Like I think Ledger. there's a link in the description down below for Ledger. That wasn't even one of the things we talked about today, but it's not just to benefit the channel. It benefits you to have that protection. I've had Ledger so. for three and a half years. Yep. Cryptoverse said, thanks guys for being a rock for our community. I swapped my Bitcoin to btcx.betf. So I don't know what that means, but uh, I don't know which one that is. So I can put into a tax-free savings account so the tax man won't take my yeah, money gains when you. they come. Good for you, man. Good awesome. job. Yeah, that's. I mean, I said I've never heard of that one before. And you know, another place you can do that is I trust capital. I trust capital. That's uh, what so, I was gonna say. Uh, Travis Graves said, "What are your thoughts on flux in the future?" I have I'm not very intrigued seen it. myself. I'm sorry, we appreciate the super chat, Travis, but unfortunately, I've not looked into that project, so I can't tell and, you on and, that. And by the way, this is not the time to be looking at random projects. It's really not. Uh, yeah, this is really the one not. to. I mean, even the ones that people thought were good and safe are dying. So that's everybody uh, looked at random projects in 2018 and they failed, unless they were in Bitcoin or Ethereum. <laughs> 
Last one we have here. Corey said, you guys are such a healthy reminder of keeping a Christ-like counsel and what it can do for you. I'm starting a Bible study for hey. myself. Thank you, guys. Let's go. Love Heck it, yeah, Corey. Corey, I got a verse for you. Go check out Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It is not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's a good one for you to study. That one is really huge for living in a sanctified lifestyle. Guys, that's all we got for you today. If you enjoyed today's stream, smash that like button. We had a lot of viewers today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, you are missing out. We go live 10 a.m. Eastern every single weekday, and we would love to see you here with us every single weekday. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and the post notification bell. We went a little long today because there are some very important mental health things to discuss. Make sure to also follow us on social media at CryptoJeb over on Instagram and Twitter at CryptoJebOfficial over on TikTok. But that's all we got for you today. Before we go, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching as always. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at MacV Media.